And I think it's having those different support networks sort of internally in the team as a buddy, externally as a mentor, but then also, you know, true external coaching consultancy is, is incredibly valuable. B2B has the potential to be electrifying. But the industry is paralysed by a culture of conservatism, scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas. It's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B marketing, the provocative truth. Hello and welcome to B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth. I'm Benedict and today I am joined by Faith Weller, who is Vice President of Brand, Sponsorship and Campaigns at TeamViewer. Faith, a very, very warm welcome. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Thank you. For You know, the weather is starting to uh, get a bit brighter, so I'm pretty good. It, well, it looks always sunny in your office. I, I was oh, admiring it. It's always sunny in Brighton. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> Amazingly, Brighton is that one city within the UK that I've never been to. I've been to all of the rest of them, even the, you know, the obscure ones. But for some reason, I've never ticked off Brighton. So I, don't I need to do that I've at a certain point. I don't think I've ever met anyone I know. that has not been to Brighton. <laughs> it's, it's a travesty. And I, li- I live in London. It's, it's so close. Um so anyway, enough about my um, inadequacies when it comes to visiting places in the UK. <laughs> I gave you a super quick intro there, um, but I appreciate I probably didn't do it quite justice. So 30 seconds, 45 seconds, floor is yours. Please, could you just uh, tell everyone you know, who you are and um, I suppose what you're all about? Yeah, thanks, Benny. So um, yeah, I'm Faith. So I am um, Vice President of Marketing for Brand campaigns and sponsorships at TeamViewer. Um, I've been there for a couple of a couple of months now actually. It's gone really quickly. I joined just before just before Christmas. Um, and prior to that I spent around about 14 years at Cisco. And I know you've had uh, a few people from Cisco on your your show before. We have had Terry. Um, yes, Terry who used to work for me and my team. And um, and after that, I worked at Intuit um, as the UK marketing director. So um, I've got a fantastic role. I actually said to all of the uh, audience I had to present to last week, I think I have the best job in the company. Uh, we at TeamViewer, we sponsor uh, Manchester United. We're the front of mm-hmm. front of shirt for Manchester United. And we also sponsor Mercedes Formula One. So um, I have the fantastic job of working with both of those partners to really leverage, um, you know, the the reach of of both both of their brands, and then also how it impacts ours. So, really exciting role. It is, and if we can crowbar in talking about all of the the sort of the activation that you can do around what are two extremely high profile sponsorships, we shall do our best. Although <laughs> what we're here to talk about today, funnily enough, is. The the impact of a sort of a post-COVID working world on the marketing team, ways of working, how we produce the work, and ultimately the end outputs that we are we are getting. I think it's absolutely an accepted truth that there has been a radical shift in the world. Uh, the world works, um, and marketing is absolutely part of that. And to kick things off, um, I wanted to sort of give a slight provocative twist on that. Um, and that would be clearly those sort of changes, I think, have had a number of positive impacts. I think we probably are seeing greater um, efficiency um, within some marketing teams. Um, we're seeing that real renewed um, sort of focus on 
performance. But I suspect that it has come at the expense of that little bit of creativity and ambition when it comes to thinking about marketing programs and ingenious ways of engaging with the audience. Is that something you would agree with or tell me I'm completely (laughs) misled on that idea? I absolutely agree with what you're saying, Benny. I think um, the impact of of COVID has changed everything, um, but particularly had a a big impact on the marketing teams as well. And um, I think for sure that there's pros and there's cons. Um, For sure, the amount of creativity, you know, marketing had to get created in COVID. Um, We all know, and and especially it's it's very similar to times now, now we're in a recession. Mm. Uh, You know, we've we've had to do much more with less. We've had to find new channels to communicate on in in new ways. Um, And we've had to become very much operationally efficient as well and made some making hard choices. So I think... In a way, I mean, I like it because it's enabled, um, especially me and my team, to get a lot more scrappy. Mm. You know, if you have less budget, often I think that you can you can get more creative, and I've, I've certainly see that come through from the teams. Well, I think it's, that's it's quite an interesting tension actually that I think you've you've articulated there. That there's on one hand, we've created a pressure um, to do more with less. Um, to be able to reach people in places that were historically very difficult to reach. And as you say, that is a driver of create creativity. It's almost this idea of like necessity being the mother of invention. It's almost that sort of similar idea. Yeah. But then at the same time, we are in these situations where we are working within a remote environment. We are dislocated in many respects. We don't have that opportunity for collaborative working. We don't have those moments of spontaneity and serendipity when it comes to sort of the creative process so there's almost these two competing tensions from your perspective uh, what have you looked to do to make sure that you are able to respond creatively and you're creating an environment where marketers can flourish and uh, really express themselves yeah well obviously since um since covid that there has been such a shift in terms of the way people like to work and and Mm. like operate and you're talking about lots of different generations as well you've got sort of your um more gen x gen y you know even even gen z to to now cater for um i know from my perspective and a lot of my colleagues of a, a similar era uh, we've got very much used to working at home mm. and because it, and adapting that to the school runs or exercise classes or whatever. And, you know, it's, as we were coming back to work, it was like, oh, sort of having to go back into the office for a planning or creativity session was a bit like, mm, OK, it, it just took some time. Um, and then, you know, with the more sort of millennials, Gen Z, they've been quite um you know some of them absolutely miss that collaboration or some of them never mm. even experienced that collaboration and so when you start to think about brainstorming coming up with ideas of course you have to get creative around how you do mm. that um some of the things that that we have been doing when we haven't been able to get together and I work in a in a global team so my team's actually all over the world um, but we, we've been able to use the technology and the tools mm-hmm. to collaborate. So using things like Miro, 
um, having those sort of virtual post-it notes when you're working on a project mm. or idea to get input from. Um, that's one of the techniques and tools we've been doing. We also have, um, I, I try and clear time on a Friday. We have no meeting Fridays to actually use that time to collaborate and talk and have that space for that design thinking. Um, and often we will um, bring in external people just to give us that inspiration and spark that we need. Um, and of course, there's the other collaboration tools that we use quite often as well. But it's still very preferable to get everyone in a room for a couple of days and, you know, brainstorm it out. And how do you I mean, and I'm almost relating it to the the experience that I've faced day to day as well. How do you I mean, maybe incentivize isn't the right word there, but how, how do you sort of um, tell the story to to the team of why that is beneficial and how that can be a really positive experience? Because I think from my experience, there there is still, you know, some resistance coming in, not, yeah. not because of health concerns anymore, but it's more just people becoming accustomed to a certain way of working and not seeing the benefit of that. How do you sort of sell in the benefit of coming in physically and collaborating versus doing a, um, you know, using the sort of communication tools that you refer to? Well, I think you need to have a purpose to come in. Mm. It's not just a team meeting. There's an actual objective of what we need to solve for. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, tying it in with some kind of team building activity mm. or um, evening event or, or, or however it is, doing it more in an interesting venue um but having a purpose is is critically important and then making sure that we're going to be very clear on those outcomes i've just spent a couple of days with my team specifically on planning so planning mm -hmm. for fy23 uh, we had very clear agenda of what we wanted to achieve but we also had some time which would just literally be for planning and having that creative thinking and mm -hmm. what do we want to stop start and continue doing you know ba basic productivity um areas like that but what what we find is that one person comes up with another an idea and another person builds on that mm. and you can't just you can't often do that remotely it no, has to be in person to get that engagement and you can start to see the shiny eyes of the teams they come up with these ideas and excitement and you know you you unless you experience that you can't replace that with doing it virtually and I'm, I'm interested um you, you talked earlier about the different generations and actually that there are some generations who've come into the workforce and they haven't got that experience they don't have those historical precedents of what that looked like whereas uh for me as a as a, a millennial you know i i was very much used to that sort of in-person way of working before uh, covid hit yeah. so to come back it's a little bit like um, i've got the muscle memory when you've been involving people that have very new in the, the the workforce that don't have those those reference points what what have you noticed has been the challenges in getting them to involve themselves and participate in the sort of constructive way that you would ideally look i mean i i, I think we forget that covid spans such a long time when mm. you have more of the less experienced people starting you know the early in careers the interns they just hadn't experienced what working life was like mm. uh, and I, rem I remember I had an early in career start and 
he almost just didn't know even how, how to behave in meetings and he would mm. turn up late and he would be on his computer while I was trying to host a meeting and he just didn't um he didn't realize that shift from going from mm. university now um into the workplace and um you know so from a, a leadership point of view there's been a lot of coaching we have to do a lot of onboarding for those uh, new starters and that early in careers and again it's providing them that flexibility as well and i think that's what everyone wants now we're in this hybrid world mm. we want the flexibility to like I say drop the kids off or um work from home on a friday um it's not even nine to five anymore and i think particularly the the new generation coming in they don't want to be confined to a certain time i mean some of them are, are terrible starting early in the mornings but you know mm. that they'll work late into the evening and i think what's also interesting that i've started to uncover is that some of these um uh, the new gen z the coming in they often have a lot of side hustles as well yep. um because that's the nature of of how they've got through university or you know they've started doing copywriting or their own little uh, tech businesses in in the background and i think for them it's really important how they balance their work and their side hustle as well and potentially work's not as important as it has been to ourselves and uh, that that generation before us I, I, I think one thing just before I a lot of what you were saying there around Gen Z, oh, we were getting furious nods of approval by our producer here. I think to the extent I think what she even gesticulated like that, <laughs> such was the extent that she was agreeing with you. So there we go. That's that's definitely the commendation um, potentially we were looking for. But I, I think it's really interesting, actually, just how much it's been a process of, I suppose, re-education and of the blind spots from my perspective as well you talked earlier about those behaviors which we take for for granted but we take them for granted because we went through an experience where we were in a position just to observe those behaviors and then they become normalized and, and in a similar way you talked around sort of like the uh, appreciation that people want to have side hustles and work isn't everything to them again that's actually quite sort of a mindset shift um for people that were established in the world of work before where yeah. you did feel a bit more of i suppose a bit more of a duty a bit more of a sort of a, a contract that you had to honor uh, and yeah. really the dynamics have changed now that doesn't mean yeah. that you're going to get less commitment or less work but there does need to be an understanding of that i think yeah absolutely and, and then you start to think around you know the workplace in general and whether as as managers when you're thinking about recruiting whether you should recruit more contractors or freelancers that you mm. can bring in for more specialist projects um and skills because people the, the job market has changed so much i think again over the 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 last few years and um because of the i i think the new generation coming in potentially for employers it might be better to have better flexibility on both sides um rather than having these these fixed term employees mm. all the time I, I think i'm really interested to get to talking about that sort of uh perfect balance between a freelance and um full-time model but just just quickly before we do that um 
we were talking a second ago around sort of the importance of the those observed learned behaviors and you emphasized how important it's been establishing mentorships and and coaching would you just be able to sort of put into a bit more detail what what does that look like and how have you sort of set up that sort of mentorship program for people who are coming out of university to give them some of those in inverted commas soft skills which are so crucial to being successful within a working environment yeah absolutely i i mean the first thing that we do and i, I i've had this throughout all of the uh, the companies that i've worked for luckily is that we have a fantastic onboarding program um which means that from a corporate perspective you can onboard you can embed the company values the um you know that the new hire can understand the, the ways of working the processes and everything and i think that's absolutely critical and from that program they're often assigned buddies which will be you know more accomplished people within that organization they can learn from but then when it comes to mentoring and coaching, obviously your manager can do a lot of that for mm. you and, and with you. Um, however, I'm always keen to embrace um, mentors for my team that sit outside of the department because there's they often can bring a, a, a better perspective of situations because they're not involved in it. They don't know all the fine detail and the politics around a situation. So. I often have a network of uh, mentors that I reach out to, which I think can help address a certain gap or a skills need um, for my employee. Um, and I do the same, by the way, it's sort of reverse mentoring mm. as well. Um, and then, you know, we've also we've also used uh, programs such as Better Up. I'm not sure you're familiar with that. It's an external coaching program. I've heard the name. Um, yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah actually as an employee benefit this has become more more popular that um you know anyone in the organization it doesn't matter what level you are as a company benefit you can actually access um some of this remote coaching um i think at my last company we had about 10 sessions a year that you could use at any time both for personal or professional use and i think it's having those different support networks sort of internally in the team as a buddy externally as a mentor but then also you know true external coaching consultancy is is incredibly valuable i think the key thing for me i mean those those programs you've just described are always going to be valuable always going to be relevant but i think especially with the transitional period ultimately that we are still in now it's about being very conscious about putting in place those sort of programs and being very yeah. very clear about why they need to be in place and what skills they need to to bridge um but to, to move the conversation forward but also back because i mentioned it a second ago but i think it's a really really fascinating point that you brought up there which is around a potential shift more to a freelance model um mm. firstly what do you think has been the driving sort of like forces for you to consider that Whereas here, historically, you probably would have gone for more of a, um, you know, a full time team. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, despite sort of the great resignation and the very unfortunate layoffs that have happened, mm. in, you know, particularly in the tech industry now, it's still really hard to recruit um, and to recruit the right people with the right skills in the right location. And what I'm seeing is that now there's 
much more of a need for project work with specialist skills mm. rather than having um, a, a full-time dedicated head which I might not need beyond a certain time period if that makes sense mm. so I think the ability to have more flexible hiring is is better for the organization and then often it's it's quite good you can test people out so you can mm -hmm. you know put them on a short-term contract give them the project um if that project continues great you can extend the contract but then you may also have the flexibility to convert them to a full-time head if you're starting to show impact and drive mm. roi etc etc so it could also be used for a business case um and that's definitely sort of the model that i'm looking at um, more of right now and when we need specialist skills such as um for example recruiting for a video producer right now those those skills often don't come with a full-time somebody that wants to work full-time mm. they often want to work on a project and probably work for other different clients as well so I think that flexibility works both ways. So I'm, I'm just thinking, just to put this into practical terms, you talk there around sort of, you know, video uh, producer might be someone that's relevant. Are, are you sort of seeing it that fr from a, you know, a creation or creative perspective, that's where you need to bring in the freelancers, but then the more traditional in-house marketing roles would remain as full-time or do you actually feel that there are is more flexibility within the traditional marketing team as well i think i think both i think de definitely specialist bringing in freelance and mm. contractors for sure that 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 makes real sense um budgets are tight and i again this comes back to okay we've got a, a project we've got a big product launch coming up mm. Does it make more sense to bring in a contractor to focus on that than try and find the budget for a full-time employee and then you have to pay the benefits and everything on top of that mm. so i think from a financial perspective it definitely um does make sense to do that um but then more traditional roles if you're looking for a pr manager or if you're looking mm. for you know um uh, marketing communications manager for example dig digital marketing managers um then yes, it makes sense more to have them in-house so then they can really ingrain into the company. They can understand the processes, mm. and, you know, all of the other stakeholders that are involved. Um, well, I think this has been, uh, it's, it's really, it's been both interesting, but I think it's also been extremely useful just in terms of shaping people's thinking when it comes to um, managing people within your organization. But also I think that sort of design element of a marketing team there, We've spoken about you know composition from a generational perspective, but also we've clearly spoken about that that balance between freelance and also having people in house there. Um, now, what we do before we let people leave um, the the podcast though is we have one final question, uh, which is um, when did you last see a piece of could be content, could be an advert, could be a campaign that you really felt in your guts that moved you on a deep emotional level? I'm going to be a bit cheeky and I'm going to say... Is this a Manchester United activation for TeamViewer? It's it's a Mercedes one. Oh, okay. All so right. <laughs> it, so this was actually created just before I joined the company. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of thinking I it, it, it's not exactly mine, but it, but it is now. Um, so if I may, it was a, a video created with Lewis Hamilton. Mm. Um and it was a video created around hero heroes was the theme and um people that had inspired and i think what made it 
particularly um, powerful for me was the emotional storytelling mm. of it. And I know we always say, you know, emotion creates impact. And hearing Lewis talk about his role models in his life, his his mom, his dad, uh, Nikki Lauda, you know, some of the team that he, he's been working with at uh, Mercedes mm. was absolutely impactful and the way that it was shot um, got huge engagement, but it also got uh, your emotions pumping for sure um, because it was so heartfelt um, and warm and very unscripted as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that's the one that's really, uh, really got me over the last uh, last month or so. And I'm always interested because one of the reasons why we want to talk around sort of when you've asked or felt felt it in your guts is because there's traditionally been a little bit of a, a deficit, shall we say, within B2B specifically of yeah. that sort of emotion. Did you and you talked around emotional emotion equaling impact with that you know particular piece of creative in that that campaign? Did you see that sort of demonstrable sort of like effect of taking an emotionally led approach with the with the target audience? Yes, absolutely. Because again, it's not the type of content that TeamViewer would would put out there, mm. um, or even Mercedes. And um, we found that both, we also did a video with George Russell, where he was in his mm. kitchen, and he was pinging out some toast and everything. Again, it got so much engagement, because it was just so human. Mm. Um, so yeah, we saw a huge uplift in terms of the um, social engagement that we we had on that compared to our traditional uh, we've got a new product out and yeah. um, you know these are the features so definitely that emotional storytelling is something that we will continue doing moving into this year really so that has changed the conversation internally for team viewer you know they're they're the the, the doubters are now converts in terms of the, that as an approach I, I think we're on that journey I think we're on yeah. that journey that we need to tell different types from a branding perspective mm. absolutely we've got to start tell the story behind the teams yeah and um you know the very much thinking about the origin of team viewer and where it's coming from and, and the people um but then having more of that customer benefits all the way through the funnel so mm. absolutely and I guess that's why um what why I joined team viewer to help try and tell some of those stories well, look, I think, as I said earlier, thank you so much for, for joining. I think it's been a really, really interesting topic of conversation. I think probably the the biggest thing that stood out for me is it's almost the unconscious biases um, that we have as part of the sort of generation that was a pre-COVID worker around the ways of working and what should be expected, what is acceptable, what, what gets the, the, the best results. And the truth is we don't have a monopoly on the truth, uh, funnily enough, around that. And it's about being open-minded and listening to the needs of those particular people within the team and then building structures um, and, you know, ways of working around getting the best results. And it's, it's not about, you know, just compromising and doing exactly as someone from a Gen Z sort of audience would want to, sorry, Gen Z uh, cohort would want to do, but it's about finding what is that sort of really nice um, compatibility um, point. Um, and when it comes to getting people together and, and uh, collaborating, you're right, there is no substitute for in-person collaboration, but it has to be um, around a sort of a, a unified purpose so people really feel the benefit and, and feel that sort of pull. So, Faith, yeah, an absolute pleasure. I thank you very thank much, you for, very for much for joining me. And I will try and get my way down to Brighton at some yes, point. Yes, do 
(laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much, Faith. Thank you. Bye. B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.